This episode was brought to you by Curex, Gooder, and X Endurance. More on that later. What are your optimal performance cues? Like every athlete, it's a really good exercise to know, like when you race well, what are you attending to? Not necessarily what are you thinking about, but what is your attention on? So if you know what those cues are, when you get distracted, you can bring yourself back to those cues and it can help you to refocus. That was Abby Cooper, and this is the Running on Ohm podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to or welcome back to the Running on Ohm podcast. I'm your host, Julia Hanlon, and I am so grateful that you, yes, you listening, you've chosen to tune in today. Here on the Running on Ohm podcast, we feature long-form style conversations, with women in endurance sports and in the outdoors. I say this every time and I really do mean it. Although these conversations, they focus on women's stories in particular, this podcast is for everyone. Everyone is welcome to listen and hopefully be inspired and empowered. In today's podcast conversation, my close friend and soul sister, Abby Cooper and I come together for our monthly series, Soul Sister Sessions, where we explore listener questions on all things life, sport, relationship, injury. Now, if you're new to this podcast or the series, a little bit about Abby. She is a professional distance runner for New Balance, specializing in the 5,000 meters. Abby represented the U.S. in the 2016 Olympics, and she's currently training to represent the U.S. at the 2021 Olympics. In our conversation, we explore your questions on the mental and physical aspects of racing and competition. Now, I recognize that this time of COVID-19, many races have been canceled and postponed, but Abby and I still believe that the mental and physical preparation that's involved in a race can also apply to your running workouts, your time trials, and just other areas of your life, like how you show up in high-stress work situations. This conversation was also inspired by the fact that Abby's running a 10K on the track, and by the time this conversation is released, she will have run it. It was such a joy to get to talk with Abby and learn from her years and years of racing experience at a high level. And she just has so many great sports psychology nuggets of wisdom to share with all of you. Thank you. Thank you to all those who submitted questions. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have a follow-up question or a question on something entirely different, please submit them at runningonome.com slash soulsistersessions. Also, reach out to us on Instagram. Let us know what resonated from today's conversation. You ready? Okay, friends, let's dive deep with my soul sister, Abby Cooper. So this is pretty different because we're recording in person. We are. We're sitting in your lovely kitchen. Here we are. <laughs> and it's July. Yes. Yeah. It's July, man. Wow. <laughs> and you're in Boston because you're doing a race. I am. Yes. Kind of last minute. Um, as you know, this opportunity came together um, with with Molly Seidel and her coach, John Green, just creating an opportunity 
and jumping through a lot of hoops to do so. Um, but really thankful I'm running a 10 K and, um, yeah, just to be running a race that doesn't have a lot of expectations attached to it. I was just telling you the last time I ran a 10 K was in college at the league meet, um, which it, it was like a glorified tempo run was kind of how we approached it. Um, so I feel like this is my first real 10 K race, but, um, I've run the distance before. So yeah, I'm just hoping to, you know, all of us really time, or I'm sorry, place doesn't matter at all. You know, we're just trying to run the Olympic standard. So just going to give it a shot. What do you remember from that run at Heps in that 10 K? Were you running by yourself? Was there anyone near you? What did Mark say to you? Yeah. Where were you? So, so we were, I believe we were at Yale for the, um, yeah, the league meet. And it was kind of a last minute decision to, you know, there's always like this like excitable energy before HEPs, you know, because it's all about the team score. And, um, you know, often we try to spread out, you know, some of the top runners to, to, keep the other teams guessing about how to, you know, score the most points. And so like maybe two weeks before we were like, Hey, what if I just ran the 10 K and I ran the 10, the five and the three in that weekend, which I don't know if that was smart because by the end of the season, I was like super burnout. Um, but that's what I did in one weekend. Um, and the 10 K was first. So I was super fresh for that one. Um, I don't remember, uh, I mean, early in the race, yeah, there was a, there was a group together. Um, I remember just trying to stay really controlled, obviously early, and then um, picked it up maybe the last couple k. And yeah, I just remember it was it was harder to focus. Of course, it's double the length of my normal distance, and you know, cross the finish line was like, and thought to myself, I'd be okay with not doing that again. <laughs> but here I am. I mean, I, I mean, obviously this is six years later. Like I, I am not that I was really thinking about this before the 10 K opportunity came up, but now, I mean, it's like to be able to have some choice, hopefully, um, for what I can run at the Olympic trials with just such deep competition, um, next year, like that would be a I mean, I'd be really grateful for that. Yeah. So. And how have you conceptualized this 10K on, on Saturday? Like, how have you either mentally or how is your physical preparation going? Yeah. Um, you know, physically, it's it's so hard to, for any of us really to tell where we're at. With that. We've done some tri- time trials, so I have some pretty reliable benchmarks, but... Um, I, I mean, my workouts have been going pretty well, and... Uh, like for the past two years, it's really just been about slow, steady progress. And I've been, I've been healthy with little things here and there. And so I feel confident. I mean, obviously there's like a part of me that is aware that I have not done a lot of 10 K specific work outside of like, you know, a couple of workouts last week. So there's that, that voice in my, in my mind, but, um, you know, the more mature part of me knows that like fitness is fitness. And, um, yeah, I know that I can focus for 30 minutes. I do that all the time. And so, uh, yeah, it's really just going to be about like using each other. Like I'm really thinking about this as like a, an opportunity. I don't get to work out with people like for the whole workout very often. And so I'm, I'm excited about this chance to work together, you know, place doesn't matter as I mentioned. And and just go for a ride for 24 laps. 
Yeah. Wow. I'm really excited to get to watch you. And I feel like the phrase that keeps on coming up for me is the longer you go, the stronger you become. Mm. And I think you're someone having watched you race, like you do get stronger and faster as you continue to race and how that's kind of your style. And so I feel like you're going to be really well suited to a 10 K. Thank you. Yeah, it'll be, I'm just curious about how my body responds to it given, you know, just normal training. Um, you know, I don't, as you know, do a, a ton of mileage, but it'll just be, it'll be a data point, you know, at the very least. Yeah. Cool. And your parents will be there. My parents will be there. Yeah. They probably haven't seen me race. Well, maybe since last spring at Adrian Martinez, but yeah, it's just going to be such a low key environment, obviously not many spectators and, um, warm, but we know how to deal with that. And yeah, it'll be great. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So yeah, Jules, tell me about what is, what's new with you right now and how your running is going. Tell us about your workout this morning. Oh, <laughs> So everyone can hear. Definitely not trying to run a 10K on a track anytime <laughs> soon or maybe ever again. Um, but yeah, no, I'm doing well. I am in summer semester right now in school and just had midterms last week. And I'm just continuing to love, love, love what I'm learning to the point where like I look forward to doing reading for school. There's a ton of reading for school. Some weeks it's like 500 to 700 pages of reading a week. And I do not do all of that. Hopefully none of my professors are listening right now. <laughs> I definitely do a lot of skimming. But when you're learning about things you're really interested about, sometimes you don't want to actually skim. Right. And I really do want to learn about it. And it's been interesting. We're reading through the um, diagnostic manual for um, mental disorders right now. And we're doing this whole section. This week is actually a whole section on eating disorders. And so I'm reading through like the actual like diagnostic criteria for an eating disorder, which is super interesting interesting because we've talked a lot in this Soul Sister session series about our journeys with eating disorders. Yeah. And it's super interesting to actually know like what is the diagnostic criteria for things that I've experienced in my life. So lots of reflection going on over here for sure too. And I feel grateful to be in a place of health and well-being and mind and body. And so reading, you know, that kind of material is not triggering for me. Um, but I could imagine how that might be the case for some folks for sure. But yeah, I'm just loving, I'm really enjoying school and running. I feel very grateful to be on the other side of my foot injury, which I had shared about extensively on this podcast. I feel like our first episode together, I just spent the whole time talking about my foot. <laughs> that was crisis mode probably went back in the fall. Yeah, that was a really hard time. Totally, totally. Yeah, but feel really grateful to be on the other side of it. And I'm doing some light workouts once a week and... And I'm excited for this topic. We're exploring competition and racing. And you, obviously, as a professional runner, this is what you do, you know, as your career. Me, as a hobby jogger and who's had injuries for the past five years, like I haven't really had much experiences with competition and racing. So I'm really kind of excited to actually pick your brain here, Abs, with listener questions. Um, yeah, so it's going to be fun. Before we dive into listener questions, I want you to take me to one competition that you think you learned the most about yourself or you learned something really profound about yourself through. Oh, wow. 
I mean, perhaps, well, the race, probably there, you know, there's such thing as like the recency effect, like my, you know, this, this race is recent in my memory. Um, and this was last year at, at Adrian Martinez. I've mentioned this race a couple of times just because I was so pleasantly surprised. So, okay. So I did a 5k at Adrian Martinez last year. Um, it was my second race of the out of the outdoor season. I had done a 1500 two weeks before and I just had had some like kind of rocky workouts leading up to it. And I mean, coach had said, Hey, I really think that probably five, I'm sorry, 15.35 to 15.45 is about the range that your workouts indicate you're ready for, um, which was obviously not what I was hoping for at that time of the season, but um, agreed with him based on workouts. And yeah, I, I was kind of struggling with my Achilles at that point already, and that was ultimately what ended my season. But um, yeah, I just had a lot of fear and, and anxiety and you know, just felt so uncertain going into the race and remembered just having to like surrender to all those feelings and just like show up anyway. And what was so powerful for me was a, that, so I ended up actually running 1521 and feeling like 10 times better at that pace than I had in many of the workouts leading up. And of course, like there is that kind of surreal, like race day effect. Like, of course, that's what you plan for, you know, that, that race pace is going to feel a lot easier on race day. Um, hence the taper and et cetera. But, uh, yeah, so I, I was able to see that like fitness doesn't always like or look the same way, you know, like I had to trust, look back and trust the body of work that I had done rather than like a lot of the time in college, I was looking at particular workouts to give me confidence rather than looking at the sum of my efforts. Um, so that was a really big takeaway. And then also just kind of on the, on the psychological side, recognizing that like the, I had a sports psychologist actually share this with me back in 2015 when I was at the world champs in China and I was injured and I like, I, we didn't exactly know I had a stress reaction. I didn't know at the time. And, um, she just was like, when, like, how does it feel when you run fast? And it didn't hurt, you know, I had enough endorphins and she's like, you need to reframe and just think about like, set your expectations such that it's going to hurt all the time, except when you're racing, like your racing is your safe place. And that was such a powerful shift for me, a shift in expectation that like, I'm going to wake up in the morning and it's going to hurt when I step out of bed, et cetera, when I warm up and then, I, and it didn't hurt as I was racing. And so I kind of, uh, applied that principle to the, like psychologically in that race, like you're going to feel before racing, you're going to feel afraid. You're going to feel, you're going to feel your Achilles. You're going to be just uncertain about what you might run. And then you're going to get in that once the gun goes off, like that's your safe place. Like, you know, your brain knows what to do. Obviously there's um, an amount of coaching that's necessary to allow yourself to be psychologically engaged and do what you need to do during the race. But like, I, I just was able to retrust my ability to like check in and like let not let fear like d drive me in the middle of the race and so <laughs> so long-winded way of saying like that that race was just really powerful
to me, I think, in, in a couple different ways. Yeah. I'm hearing both like Adrian Martinez and your experiences at the World Champs. That's true. Both were teaching you like to trust in the body of work yeah. and to trust in that experience of mental framing Yeah, and to be able to be like, actually when I'm racing is when I'm safe or when it feels pain-free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so, so much there. That's amazing. And getting to watch you at Adrian Martinez in person, like I was just in awe of how, again, the longer you go, the stronger you become. Mm. And so just watching you kind of get stronger throughout the race was really, really neat. Oh, that was so special to have you there, Ari, like so many people I love at that race. And I know that was part of it too, but I think that's a great way of summarizing what you said, mental framing. Yeah. Just like just having like a spirit of curiosity and acceptance of just the like kind of range of thoughts that come up before race, especially like the 24 hours before races and knowing that like, this is just normal. And like your mind will, you have coached your mind to be able to check in when it needs to check in when the gun goes off. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's important before we jump into the questions to also just frame that this time of COVID, like there are, for a lot of people, there aren't races on their calendar. And so it's like, what is the relevance of this conversation? And I, I think we all do have performance situations in our lives, whether it be in our work, our relationships, or whether you're creating your own time trial. I know there's been a tremendous amount of people doing time trials or virtual races. So I think or people are looking forward to, you know, when they get to go back to racing in 2021, potentially. I think the talking about competition and racing and the mental experience and the physical experience of it, like it's never a bad time to explore these parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And arguably this, per- this could be a better time, you know, where you can kind of trial and error certain mental techniques or even physically different things and workouts, you know, that you might want to experiment with racing. Um, yeah, I often find that, that, uh, doing the work, um, from a mental standpoint is most safe and helpful, like in kind of those, those downtimes where, yeah, there is still in a routine regularity, uh, a workout arena in which you can practice these things, but yeah, it is, it is a good time to do it. Let's take a quick break for me to share with all of you about Curex. Curex are an insole company designed by German sports scientists. For folks who've tuned in regularly to the Soul Sister Session series, you know that I've talked with Abby about my plantar fasciitis and a range of foot-related issues that I've had the last two years that have kept me from consistent running. Well, when Curex sent me a pair of insoles this past winter, I didn't know what to expect, and wow, they have been truly game-changing for me. I've finally been able to run pain-free, and I believe this is in large part due to Curex's insoles that have provided my feet with a comfortable yet dynamic arch support. Now, if you aren't injured, Curex's insoles are just an incredible way to keep your feet happy and resilient. They have insoles for a range of different sports, including cycling insoles that I cycle in regularly. Curex is offering a 15% discount for Rue listeners. You can go online at www.curex.us, enter the code RU15 for your discount. Curex also offers a 60-day warranty, even if you custom cut your insoles to fit your shoes. How amazing is that? Okay, friends, let's get back to our conversation with Abby. First question is... 
how can I stop talking myself out of the race before it starts? For example, they're too fast for me. Hmm. So, okay. So this person is, is foreseeing a situation in which um, the pace might go out uh, too quickly, or maybe that would, be, that would be a thought that would occur. Um, that would be kind of a limiting thought, like these people are, have gone out too fast. So this is a really timely question. You know, one thing that my, that my husband, as I've mentioned, is a sports psychologist, and I have talked about, um, and a strategy that I've integrated that's been really helpful. I actually think I might've mentioned it on an episode. Whoop. Yeah, you did. I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I just did it yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind. So it's basically just um, a strategy for managing pre-race anxiety and nerves. And it's really simple, and so I bring it up often. Um, So it's it's an acronym, and it stands... So W-O-O-P, and it stands for WISH, like you state what are my goals... Um, a few goals for the race. And then the first O is um, outcome. So like, yes, here are my goals. But like, if I were, for example, to achieve the Olympic standard 32 flat, like what is the outcome? What is the effect of that? Um, And the effect is that, okay, well now maybe I have in this example, like another opportunity to race you know, I can race another event besides the 5K at the Olympic trials. So you list out the outcomes for the goals and the second O is obstacle. What are the, what are, and this is, this is, I think one of the most important, um, letters here. Cause you really just think out like, what am I afraid of? What could happen? What about me could get in the way of achieving these goals? And that's key. It's gotta be what within you could be a barrier. So a barrier, you know, could be self doubt, or you could get even more specific with that. Um, and then the, P is what is a plan? If this, if X, Y, Z obstacle happens, what is my plan? Um, so just kind of externalizing all those things. Um, and you, you know, it just, it provides an opportunity to rest in like your contingency plan. Like I know, yes, these things could happen. These are worst case scenarios, but if they do, I'll know how to handle them. Um, so that's one strategy that's been really helpful for me. Um, and then also I, I think it's just really helpful to know, like to not feel shame for having these sorts of thoughts, such as these, these, you know, men, women ahead of me are, are too fast for me. Um, I think a lot of, I encounter a lot of athletes, myself included, who will like immediately start to spiral into shame for feeling negative or having negative thoughts. And it's just so important to normalize that as we've talked about before and to know that they don't have to define you and that there are different strategies you can use to get back to your, your focus. Um, Jake calls like, calls them, what are your optimal performance cues? Like every athlete, it's a really good exercise to know, like when you race well, what are you attending to? Not necessarily what are you thinking about, but what are you, what is your attention on? Is it on the girl's ponytail in front of you? Is it on how your feet feel as they strike the the ground? Um, So if you know what those cues are, when you get distracted, you can bring yourself back to those cues and it can help you to refocus. I love that. So, so much goodness there. I think you have a future, Abby. 
as a sports psychologist. Jake is really going to credit him for all of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've learned so much, I and mean, all these things are so simple. But yeah, just to it is a discipline to integrate them and practice them in workouts. But yeah, it doesn't take much to really make a big impact. And there's so much mindfulness that actually has to be cultivated in that space. What I'm hearing of being really aware, as you said, of like, what are my inner voices? What are my critics? And what are my cues to come back to myself that are uniquely yours? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Question two. Nerves mean I care, but what if nerves keep me from sleeping well before race day? Ooh. Yeah, this is a tough one. Again, I've spoken to many athletes. Um, and honestly, sometimes I struggle like in hotel rooms and sleeping in new beds, which many people often are before races. Um, kind of on a simple practical level, um, I don't know if you you ever take melatonin, Jules, but I, I try not to take it I try only to take it when I when I really need it, but that's been um, sometimes helpful for me if I like really am just kind of have tried all my other techniques. That's kind of like a last ditch effort. Um, but yeah, I mean, simple. I just find that if I have sorted through my mental stuff that comes up before races, before like pre bed then it then i really don't have trouble falling asleep like i usually find my inability to fall asleep is because i haven't processed through done my whoop or you know done any journaling or spoken to trusted people i love about like how are you feeling about this race you know like i need to have processed that like really earlier in the week before um races so um yeah just being aware of like what fears and, you know, typically come up, usually there's like a a pattern to them. Um, and just like learning, what are your, what are your self-care, um, techniques to, to help like really care for your mind. And I mean, I'm trying to think like if there's ever been a time where like really it's like a physical limitation that's like keeping me from sleep. It's usually just my mind is like at racing. Do you find the same thing, Jules? Yeah. I think for me, what I try to remind myself is, and this has happened, you know, on days when I'm nervous for not even a race, nervous for something the next day, and I'm having a hard time falling asleep because my mind's chattering. I remember that like in the morning when I wake up, if I didn't get great sleep, that's okay. I've had this body of sleep coming back to what you said of like a body of work behind you. I've had this body of sleep perhaps the week before the month before. Or maybe, maybe I was rested. And so one night is because where my mind goes is I'm like, if I'm going to get bad sleep, then it's going to ruin my performance. And so that's what happens for me is I'm like, okay, it's okay if I get bad sleep, I can still show up. And I've done that many times in my life when I've had bad sleep and still been able to perform or talk or run or whatever I needed to do that day in my highest self. And so that kind of giving myself that like permission to be like, it's okay helps me calm my nerves. Yes. There's a writing teacher named Marianne Elliott who has worked at the Wilder Running and Writing Camps, and she talks about this idea of developing your inner sweetheart. And I loved thinking about that, whether that's like a maternal energy for some people, but just being able to have this voice inside of you that's like, it's okay to be really nervous or not be able to fall asleep. And just letting, almost just speaking to yourself lovingly Whereas instead of getting like angry or resistant to your nerves, just actually welcoming them. 
Totally. Yes. And I think what you said too, it was key about remembering all the examples of times in which you've been able to show up. And that that's another helpful thing, strategy for me too. Like, oh my goodness, I've done this so many times before. Uh, I mean, just think about like, especially for collegiate athletes, you know, who typically are traveling a lot, like, and, and trying to manage classes and, you know, so many people pre-race are, are managing other, other, um, you know, responsibilities. And so it's just, yeah, there, there's, there are always imperfections leading into races. I always think about the parents who have young children and who are completely sleep deprived, but like for years and they still can crush it. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Think about that for inspiration when you're feeling bad about like that. I mean, and and there's just so much unpredictability to it. Um, when it's just you, obviously there's, there's more control. So yeah, really that, that inner sweetheart, what a beautiful like way of naming your inner advocate, you know, whatever you want to call it, like that's nurture that. Yeah. Okay. Our next question. Do either of you have a lucky ritual before a race or a high stress situation? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. (laughs) I'm looking at you. Um, so let's see. Um, So another thing that I've learned from Jake is the difference between rituals and routines. I don't know if we've even talked about this before. So to put it simply, rituals control you, whereas you control routines. So he usually warns against rituals with athletes because they tend to be kind of superstitious, like, you know, the stereotypical lucky socks or something like that, where there's a a fear that if you don't engage in whatever activity or uh, that you, that is going to affect your performance. Whereas routines are just kind of general, it's a general system or structure that you use to just help your body relax and, um, get in the zone. And so I, yeah, I think probably since college, there was a time in college where I had a particular set of, um, I don't know if it was socks or I, I, I just remember like having to have a conversation with myself one time when like I didn't bring said socks with me to, to my race. And like, was just like, it revealed my kind of fear that like it was tied to my performance in some way. And so since then, since like forgetting them that time, like I've had to be like, no, this is actually there's so like my ability to be prepared for a race is like so much more complex than this. And, uh, yeah, so I just stick to routines, like what I eat and, um, how far in advance before races and, you know, a general playlist I'll listen to and kind of reading some inspiration before I warm up and things like that. So yeah, I stick to routines. I love that distinction between routine and ritual. I've never thought about it in that way, but it makes a lot of sense. For me, um, what comes to mind for me is, I don't know if it's lucky necessarily, but a mantra, um, whether it be words or statements I repeat to myself and I will have those written on me or I'll think about them um, and have thought about them the week leading up to something. And then the day of, it's more crystallized. Um, And then prayer as well. Just kind of asking for my higher power to come in and to 
be a part of it. And so that doesn't necessarily feel like lucky for me, but it's something that helps me, I feel like, be as present as possible. Yes. And show up. Yes. For a high stress situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting how it evolves too over time. Like I get asked this quite a bit, um, you know, at events with, with younger athletes, uh, is like, you know, what kind of music do you listen to, for example, before you run? And, and I remember in college, like it was a lot of more upbeat music. And, and then I just had this really wise, the, this throws coach at Dartmouth would always say, um, you don't have to like, she would just get really frustrated when sometimes before the league meet, we would like build up the meet, you know, to such a great degree that like sometimes it would psych athletes out. You know, there was just too much hype. And, and, and she just would remind us that we don't have to create this adrenaline, like the, the environment produces it for you. And that really shifted my whole perspective, I think on preparing for races where I was like, you know what, I'm actually nervous. Like I'm already, I don't need to make myself nervous. I, I actually, it helps me a lot more to create an environment in which I can and relax. And that's through soothing music or worship music or, you know, just time of prayer, those, those, activities as well. Um, but yeah, no, I was not like that at all in high school and college. So yeah, there are different seasons of it too. Definitely. Our next question is a bit connected and it says, what mental techniques do you use to stay positive and focused before a race? Uh, okay thinking about specific mental techniques. One skill that I've used for so long, um, Mark Coogan, my old coach, was a big proponent of visualization. And that can be sort of a broad term, but I basically would engage in visualization like on runs or sometimes right before bed, like in the earlier, you know, if I was racing on Saturday, I'd want to do it like earlier in the week, right before bed, just kind of running through the race in my mind and the, you know, the, the hoped for result. And, um, that probably like is the one I've been doing the longest that's been most reliable, um, to me, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm a huge fan uh, of mantras and, you know, I always think back to Ryan Hall's podcast. He listed off like 20 of them, 28, 28. Okay. Amazing. 28 mantras, which I think is so important. Like the, the number of those is so important because we do like some certain things work at certain times in certain workouts and certain races and some don't. And so we need to have an expansive toolkit. And, uh, yeah, gosh, I'm trying to just think of some of the mantras, um, that are most prevalent for me. Like, um, or what mantras do you want to bring for your race on Saturday? On Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I did my kind of whoop exercise, like I thought about some, they weren't necessarily mantras, but I just was thinking about like positive affirmations. Like, you know, if I'm, afraid that the humidity is going to have an effect, like just thinking about how many different nationals meets and regionals meets I've done in Greensboro and, you know, Jacksonville and, and just awful heat. And, you know, now training and doing my workouts in Johnson city, North, um, Tennessee, and just how experienced I actually am in the heat. And so, 
Um, yeah, I thought about that. I thought about the idea of like just this lap, just this lap, you know, because something I have in my mind is like the number of laps that I have to run in this 10K. And so really just trying to separate, um, just chunk them. And um, another strategy that I've used many times in workouts is, um, I think I've probably told you I'm a really big fan of Bob Goff. And um, he, in one of his books, uh, mentioned like just a and imagine, actually, no, he, he brought like a physical, like bucket, like a patient's bucket. And he would just like bring, he literally carried around this, like, I don't know, um, whatever, however, like this, like inconvenient bucket with him, like in the car, just to remind him to like refill his patients all the time, whatever he was doing. And so I actually think about that too. I'm like, okay, just every lap, I'm going to refill my patient's bucket, you know, cause towards the end of the race, it just feels like so much energy, like, and it's overwhelming thinking about how many laps, how much longer you have to hold this effort. And so just visualizing like silly things like that. Um, I love that almost that it's like every time I could even imagine like you cross the starting line, it's like, you can imagine like a surge going up your body of like refilling you with patience, you know, and it's almost as if it's like, you're just like charging your battery the minute your foot steps on that line and then you're good to go. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly how I envision it. The one thing that comes up for me, mental techniques to stay positive and focused before a race is just smiling. Like it's so simple, but there's when I'm running in Concord on the, one of the trails, there's this, um, like sign that says smile. And it's always such a great reminder to just remember in whether it's a race or a run or a workout that just simply smiling tells your entire being like, this is a positive experience. You are doing something you love. It's a privilege to be able to do it. Um, it's a celebration. There's a lot of joy in it if you can tap into that. And so I like to not say you have to smile the whole time, but even if it's just one smile, you might notice it completely changes your brain body connection. Totally. And as you know, like probably you've learned even in your program, like there's so much research on that, that 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 is actually legit, that it does change your, your brain body chemistry. So yeah. And even practicing that in workouts, like before a rep, you know, like seeing how that changes your energy. Let's take a quick break to share with all of you about Gooder. Gooder makes the best sunglasses seriously. They have the coolest designs with colors and looks that suit whatever style you're going for, all of which look amazing. I have so many pairs of gooders that I use for every occasion. I run in them, I ski in them, I cycle in them, I walk my dog in them. Everywhere I go these days, I also just see friends and strangers wearing gooders, and it makes me so happy. My favorite gooder sunglasses are the OGs, specifically the sunbathing with wizard's frame. Even the name of the model is incredible. And the reason we all love gooders, they're polarized and they don't slip or bounce around when you're moving. Finding sunglasses that look good but also remain comfortable and functional when exercising used to be really hard until gooder. The best part is that everyone can own a pair with a ridiculously affordable pricing starting at $25. Yes, you heard it. The best performance sunglasses on the market are also the most affordable. If you want to try a pair of your own, head over to gooder.com slash rue. No discounts because they're already the best price sunglasses around. Okay, let's get back to our conversation with Abby. Our next question, 
and I'll put this one for you, Abs. Do you like racing to a plan or trying to feel as good as you can? Hmm. Yeah. So that is another, uh, varied response question. I would say my preference (laughs) as it is in life is to race with a plan. Uh, I mean, I always enter a race with a plan, but, uh, it's, it's much nicer when plan A actually gets executed. And so, um, you know, it is a tough question though, because actually just competing and, and really not worrying about time is such a beautiful practice. And I mean, if I, it'd be interesting to actually do like a case study on myself and look back and to, to see like, were those actually the races in which I was able to perform best? Um, because most people, you know, a lot of people can, can look back and say that with confidence that they've run their, their PRs when they've actually just raced. So yeah, I would say in my nature, I prefer to like, just like, you know, that kind of time trial type race is what, is what I prefer. Um, cause it's usually, you know, how I've, I've trained for that specifically but um, there's a lot more I can control. But uh, yeah, most of the time in college, it was just competing. And I learned so much about how to race through that experience. Um, My mind goes to the Olympic trials. You know, I think I don't, I'd love to hear from you with something like the Olympic trials. Is it about racing? Is it about having a plan? Is it a mixture of both? Yeah. I've seen a lot of people execute it differently. Like, especially in the longer events where there, where there is, uh, there's just more, there's more time for like a varied, like in the 10 K, like there are just so many, there are a lot of different approaches you can take. Whereas in the 800, it's like, you don't really have a lot of wiggle room at all. Um, so Yeah. In the longer races, you'll see some of the pack, like just try to make it honest because they know that's within their skill set, and others will, you know, know that their kick is their skill set. So they'll just try to, um, make it a sit and kick as they say race. Um, my, I'm trying to think back to 20, 2012, I was just like a baby, you know, like I really was just, I was racing there. Like I was not, at all experienced enough to just kind of do my own thing and and race according to a plan. It was really just reacting to what happened in the race. Um, I would say the same applied for 2016. I obviously was a lot, it was a completely different time. Like I was confident in a different way, but I was also injured for a lot of the, the buildup. And so, um, I, I didn't really have the privilege of like a, such a strong fitness that I could, kind of manipulate what happened in the race. And so I was pretty reactive there as well. So yeah, a lot of my, like, especially in 2016, that I, I, I think I came in sixth in the, in the prelim. So just made it into the final and then, um, had a pretty poor race tactically in the, in the first round of the 5k. And so my like number one goal, obviously, besides making the team in the final was just like, get a spot on the rail. Like this is going to be your only chance to really, um, to, to qualify for the team. And so, uh, what do you mean by get a spot on the rail for people who aren't that's running track savvy? That's a great question. So what I had done in the first round was I was running in the outside, outside of, I really was running in lane two for most of the race. And, um, you're obviously running slightly longer and you know, when you're racing like you, that eventually adds up. And so it, it really wasn't the smartest tactic. Um, 
So yeah, so that goal was was really just to get on the very inside of the track for the for the final, and um, yeah, and then and then just stay as attached to the pack as possible. So yeah, I, I think in general, as I'm I'm kind of digesting as I talk, I probably have my best races in those types of just see what happens kind of. Obviously you you have confidence but then but you have so much confidence that you can really adapt to wh- however the race does unfold. I love it. Yeah. So our final question, we actually have a couple more. Oh, do we? Yeah. Oh, fab. Um okay. So do you think races should still go on during this time? Such a good question. Such as COVID-19. Yeah. My initial reaction is that from what I've seen from professional races, such as the one that's happening this weekend that Molly and John have organized and the folks at Bowerman and the, um, the boss hard group, there's just a lot of professionals that I feel like have done it in a really safe and mindful way of honoring state, country, county guidelines And I think as a professional, you can speak to this, but people want to be able to race and have benchmarks for their fitness or be able to um, set like meet Olympic standards. And so I think, yeah, I think having professional races, if they're done in a really safe way, um, should happen. As far as huge public races, I feel like I would, I don't know. Um, I would have to leave that up to the officials and people to decide that in their states and cities. Right. Um, I definitely am not at all a COVID expert, so I feel like I don't have much, much knowledge on what to say here, other than it seems like the professional races that I've seen have been done in a really thoughtful and um, like appropriate and responsible way. Yeah. What do you think, Gabby? Yeah, I, I do like, there is like a, a part of me that feels like almost a little bit, guilty and I know that that's not the like appropriate response but like I do feel I do feel privileged it's a better word for it to be able to race because I know a lot of people's heart you know hearts ache for that um and yeah just recognizing that there is such complexity to being able to uh roll out something like a marathon you know it's like crazy to even think about that happening at this point but I do actually think as someone who is not in the throes of that, you know, I do think that though, you know, despite the amount of effort that would require, it would be worth it just to the psychological effect of bringing people quote unquote together in some modified way, I think would help our response, you know, the, the response, our resiliency to the virus and like just knowing, you know, the, the effect of community on stress levels, um, yeah, like again, there's just there would be there's so much involved with that that I don't even know about, but I imagine there's got to be some way um to yeah, a- accomplish some level of of racing in a I mean, even if it's broken up, like even like a I wonder if this has even been pitched and like I recognize there are probably so many holes to these ideas that I'm pitching right now, but like if if you know, you kind of like kind of like they're doing with with public schools, like switching off days, like, could there be a way to institute a marathon, like on multiple days? I know that would take a lot of resources, but 
yeah, I mean, just whatever, like, obviously the consumers, you know, people who want to race, like need to be adaptable as well. But, um, I just do, I do think that, uh, community feel around active physical activity would just be like a, such a powerful way to even combat, you know, the virus. And so, um, but yeah, from a professional standpoint, I think there, you know, as we had to kind of do, uh, in order to race this weekend, getting two uh, negative COVID tests like that, it's kind of a runaround trying to make that feasible with, um, obviously there's a lot of demand. So to get results in time is, is challenging, but like that is like a worthwhile sacrifice that we're having to make to be able to, to line up. So I think, I think it would, it would benefit all of us as professionals to put our heads together and, and utilize the resources we have to try to create some opportunities. I know a lot of tracks around the country are opening up now. So, um, yeah. And even just seeing like, you know, crowdsourcing, like getting some funding, like there are a lot of people like you, this race is being run for charity. And so that's a great opportunity, just sacrificing some of our opportunities for prize money, which, you know, we'll gladly do for the ability to race. And so how can we leverage it for the good of the community as well? There's so, so much wisdom in that. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Our next question, what do you eat pre-race? All right. (laughs) <laughs> down to the good stuff. <laughs> I know. Let's get to it. Um, I always have the same pre-race uh, snack, and that is, Julia knows, toast and peanut butter, crunchy peanut butter. Got to be crunchy. No creamy in this, <laughs> this podcast. Unless I'm get trapped. Out. Exactly. <laughs> um, and banana. Yeah, and I'll usually have that about three to three and a half hours, and that sits well for me. That's so funny, because I, I was taking notes before, and I said something simple and that my stomach is accustomed to, and I wrote oatmeal, peanut butter, and banana. Yes. And it leaves me feeling nourished. It's tried yeah. and true. I think knowing ultimately what you eat pre-race is whatever you've practiced and whatever you know works for your stomach um, and your body and your mind. And so that's super personal. We're not, we're not trying to get a peanut butter sponsor here. (laughs) Although we would accept it. Although we would accept it because I love crunchy peanut butter. (laughs) My boyfriend makes fun of me saying that like half my diet is just like crunchy peanut butter. Yes. Yes. No shame. Yes. Totally no shame. I'm always warned. Jake always warns me when there's like half a jar left. He knows how I get when there's none in the house. (laughs) What is your favorite peanut butter flavor, favorite peanut butter brand? So I'm a huge fan of Wild Friends. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite. Oh, I was like a sunflower. Um, I, what was it? Oh my gosh. It was like a sunflower butter with craisins in it or something. Ooh. It was amazing. So yeah, technically not peanut butter, but it was so good. Or maybe it was a sesame seed peanut butter. I haven't had it in a while with craisins. I think that's what it was. It was amazing. That sounds delicious. Yeah. I'm just a Whole Foods. I love my Whole Foods brand, 365, Mm -hmm. crunchy, all the way. Yes. Oh, my roommate and I, Liz and I were obsessed with that. Yeah. Yes. I have really tried all the different peanut butters from all the different brands and believe it's the best. (laughs) (laughs) You're asking the pros. Okay. Our final question how not to lose control of your breathing as pace increases and you're falling behind in a race? Oh, 
okay. Yeah, that that's a really important question. Um, how to kind of stay composed when you feel you're you're kind of getting to the end of your you're just getting in the red zone, so to speak. Um, I'm trying to think of races or even workouts where I think the the race the races and workouts in which I've had, I've struggled with this the most are when I start to kind of like feel negative like it might psychologically usually is what causes me to kind of panic or something like that um and and it's it's actually the hard question because typically breathing is a strategy that that you know many mental health counselors will suggest to utilize to to calm yourself down um I wonder, Jules, would you mind speaking to this first? I need to think a little bit more about this one. So I, coming back to the inner sweetheart idea, I'm like, it's totally understandable that your breathing might get more rapid or more um, disoriented or not as regulated if you are really pushing yourself and you're at the end of the race and you're redlining. So kind of being into the inner sweetheart, I'm like, oh, this is like, this is okay. This is my body actually like expressing itself as it's really pushing it's pushing myself. So that's one thing that I think about with racing that I'm like, if it happens, just be like, okay, it's okay that this is happening right now. And even telling yourself that can almost calm yourself a bit. It's so getting yourself out of that fight or flight and just being like, it's okay to be in a, like this elevated state. Another technique I'd think of more in workouts versus races is I think about if the if there's someone working out next to me or if there was, I would want them to not hear my breathing like totally rapidly. So to just be like, can I regulate it to the point where yes, I'm working hard, but it's not so dysregulated or loud that someone else could hear it. That's an interesting strategy. And I don't know why that sometimes works for me. Um, to be able to just be like, to be able to find a cadence to my breathing that feels a bit more natural. And then I also think about breathing as being experienced by my entire body. So not just like through my lips or through my nose, but that my entire body is taking an air and breath. Mm. And that also helps me like calm my nerves. And so as I notice if I'm doing, if I was racing or doing a hard workout and I notice that my breathing, let's say becomes more regular, one way to regulate it is just to be like, okay, my entire body is actually taking an air and, and breath right now. Oh, that's really cool. I've never done that before. That's, that's interesting. Like even my eyes, that's, it's weird, but I think about like your eyes are taking an air. There's just so many vessels to take in and breathing through. And so that also helps me like take the focus away from maybe more scattered breathing and allows me to regulate it by being like, no, my entire body can help me take care of this. Hmm. Yeah, I just think it, it just opens up this availability. Like it is so available. Oh, that's a powerful visual. I'm going to try that. <laughs> I'm learning something. Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, perhaps I can't speak directly to like the physical loss of breathing control, but like, I mean, something that's been helpful to me I, I just, this, like, I'm reading this question. I actually think about like the couple of times that I've had panic attacks and thinking about like some, some strategies that have helped me or like, I've learned that like your brain is like, yeah, you're in flight, 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 
excuse me, fight or flight mode and to get like your prefrontal cortex is like not online. And so to get that back online, like it helps to do, like use your senses, you know, like feel something cold or like have it, you know, like light a candle and like, like obviously you can't do that when you're in the middle of running, but like I would just explore like what in your immediate surroundings, like you could say like, what is something I see? What, you know, like just maybe if you're racing, like you can just be laser focused on the finish line or the person right in front of you, like just really get in that almost like primal, like sensory mode. Um, and it just kind of gets you out of this more like panicky experience. If that's what it feels like for this listener. Yeah. So I try to go back to basics. Totally. I love that as well. Yeah. How is all of this race talk making you feel about your race? It's making it feel real, which is good. It's about time. You know, it's Wednesday. The race is Saturday. Like it, it is about that time. It's always an art kind of balancing focus and also appropriate distraction to not over-focus. Um, just being with you and being with community is so amazing because, yeah, I, I don't, when I spend too much time alone before races, that's often when my mind starts to, that space becomes unhelpful. And so, yeah, I'm getting excited. I mean, it's, it's really helpful to be staying with my parents and, and at home, you know, that just like by virtue of just that being, it helps me stay relaxed. Oh, yay. And what is next for you, whether it be in running or in life on top for you after this race? So I will stay here in Boston until Monday, get a couple more days and then head home um, and sharpen up for uh, the, actually the, the Sir Walter Myler is going to be coming up August 7th. I just found out, you know, pending neg- two negative COVID tests that week as well, that that will be um, a possibility. And so yeah, I'm I'm excited to to get back to kind of more my wheelhouse. Not that the mile is like my super wheelhouse, but I've wanted to run a mile, a good mile race for a while. And you so, said that, yeah, yeah, that's right. That was on here. Um, yeah, and then a week later is the Music City Distance Carnival, and I've just found out that there's a 5K. So I don't know. I think there's a 15, a 3K, and a 5K. So I don't know what event I'm going to run there yet. But that'll be August 15th. So I got a few. Few ones. Those are the definites that I have lined up. I love it. And how is your website going, Abs? <laughs> I saw a devious look there. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. I'm so grateful for the accountability. So Jake and I sat down. Um, I don't know if last time we recorded, I had told you like for for a couple of weeks we had Jake and I had thought that we might want to like combine forces and try to create something together, which we've wanted to do for a long time. But we ended up deciding that, uh, that was, that risked delaying the launch even further. And so we set a September one deadline because there will be some more just work on the technical side um, now than we originally thought. But yeah, my, my bio is written and, uh, yeah, I mean, there actually isn't that, I mean, as I keep saying there, there really isn't that much work that I actually need to do is just gathering what's already there. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I will get some time off towards the end of August probably. And so September 1st is looking reasonable and it's, 
yeah, I mean, it's given me incentive to just keep chipping away as I really, I mean, I kept like setting like arbitrary deadlines before, but this one is like multiple people in my community know that this is on the calendar. So September one. I love it. Yeah. It's going live. It's going live. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we got an email address for it. I run with heart. Um, yeah. So like little things we're chipping away. Awesome. Yeah. Let's take a quick break to share with all of you about X Endurance. If you tune into Rue regularly, you know that I adore X Endurance as they make a range of health and nutrition products that support my training and recovery. One of my absolute favorite products that X Endurance makes are their new X Endurance Energy Gels. While traditional gels are solely made for endurance efforts, these gels were designed by athletes from a variety of disciplines and can be used anytime. I love their berry flavored energy gel and I enjoy it pre-run, during a longer effort on the trail, out when biking, or even sometimes as, as a snack when walking my dog. As someone who has a more sensitive stomach, these gels are easily digestible with a light flavor and blend the benefits of two carbohydrates, maltodextrin and fructose with calcium lactate for a premium energy solution. I also appreciate that the packaging is super easy to open, so when I'm on the run or on the bike, I can replenish my energy needs with ease. X Endurance Energy Gels are just the perfect solution for the many occasions where I need a quick premium burst of energy. To experience X Endurance for yourself, you can receive up to 10% off when purchasing it at shop.teamxnd.com slash runningonome, which is linked to in this episode's show notes. Okay, friends, let's get back to our conversation with Abby. I know what's up next. Tell them what's up next early August for you. So it's my birthday in August. Yes. And I have always had the dream of running my age um, the past couple years. And I don't know if I've actually run the past four years, my past four birthdays, because I've had injuries every birthday. So I have been slowly and safely with the guidance of my coach been building up to run my age and a little bit extra on my birthday or on that around that time. So I'm going to run a 50K, which I've never done before. And I'm going to run it on trails. And I'm so excited. It's, yeah, it's pretty amazing to be in a place of health with my foot where my body will allow me to do this, or I hope it will, um, and to explore running a new distance I've never run. And that, yeah, I'm just excited and so grateful. Do you have the route mapped out right now? Okay. I don't know. I haven't figured out my route yet. Um, so, but I've, you know, I've been practicing wearing a backpack while I've been running, like a little running vest so that I have my hydration on me and nutrition I've been practicing. So I'm, I'm ready for that component of it. My coach is really big on eating while you're running. Um, and so I'm feeling like confident in some of those things. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm a, well, next time we record, I'll, I'll be able to report back. But yeah. other than that, um, in school and have a couple weeks off in August and something I'm excited for is I'm going to try to take four days off in August from all work. So with the podcast and school and yoga teaching, I pretty much work seven days a week and some capacity on my computer doing some type of work or in person. And I really want to take a couple of days of just like unplugging from technology and my boyfriend and I might do some kind of adventure and leave the computer and technology and work at home. 
And so that is something that I'd love to be held accountable in is yes. yeah, taking a couple days off. Oh my gosh, that sounds so lovely. Have you ever done that before for like five days, four days? I can't remember the last time I've done that. I mean, even my partner and I were talking about, we went to Croatia in October to visit my family who lives in Croatia. And even when I was there, I was in the middle of school semester. So I was doing a ton of homework that week and it was the month before I relaunched the podcast. So I was getting it ready. So I never, pretty much never not work any day. Even if it's just for an hour, I almost, I work every single day. Yeah. 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 So so I'm excited to like put up an email autoresponder, which I've never done before. Um, Oh my gosh, this is a big moment. It really is. I mean, my boyfriend, pretty much every trip we take on, we go away a lot of weekends or we did pre COVID and in the car ride, he's driving, I'm on my computer doing schoolwork or podcast work. And so I'm, yeah, I'm always, always working. And so to have a couple of days where I'm not working, I don't know how many, yeah, I don't know when the last time I did that was. Wow. Oh, I can't wait to ask you about that. Well, before, before we record next, but what is it like for you to take time off or how do you even, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Whether it be professionally from running or from life admin, like how do you conceptualize that? Yeah. Yeah. I, oh goodness. This is like, just been like such a, an ongoing challenge with me because boundaries are so fluid in my line of work that like with admin stuff, like I just have really struggled to protect the time, like between the hours of, you know, when I'm done with my morning session and before my evening session, like, uh, yeah, to get that stuff done and really, and really like, like I said, protect that window. And so, um, I've tried to be better with that, but even still, like, even if I don't, even if I have a day where like I am more fatigued and I need to nap and like, don't get a lot of admin work done, I still try to, uh, honor like a Sabbath day, which has looked so different at different points in my career. As you well know, like for, I've experimented with taking a day completely off and, you know, no exercise or, or just cross training or whatever. So right now, um, in this current, like since I got hurt in January, I've been taking a day completely off and really doing the same volume, but distributing it different differently. Um, and yeah, I mean, so far so good with that. I've been healthy. And, um, I mean, I know that you you were asking more from like a, just a wellness standpoint, what that's like for you, but even, even on like, despite the not running, like I try to not do email or anything administrative on those days and honor it as an opportunity to worship God and, you know, spend time with my church family and sometimes catch up with family and like do some necessary things around the house. But really not to get tied down by a to-do list. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so, so interesting and hard. Yeah. And different people have such different relationships to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ari and I talk about it all the time too. Um, it's, we do, we need accountability. That's probably like one of the biggest areas in my life in which I appreciate accountability is like, have you rested in the way that you know you need to rest? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we finish with asking each other a fun, unplanned question. And my secret is that I don't know what question I'm going to ask you right now. I have to look it up. I was thinking about that. I'm usually a lot more prepared for for these. I know you are. But I actually thought of one as uh, 
about five minutes ago. Um, In the middle of podcasting. As I was admiring the shirt you're wearing, and I actually genuinely don't know the answer to this question. Yeah. What is your favorite store, whatever, online? Wh- where do you, what's your go-to for clothing? Like oh. fun, like. Clothing. Normal, quote unquote, clothing. clothing. Non-athletic clothing. Oh, <laughs> LOL. I pretty much only live in I know, so clothing. do I. So this is a really hard question. Okay. Oh, I'm thinking about like, if I was to, if you were to look into my wardrobe right now and see where's mm. the most amount of, if we're taking out all the spandex and athletic clothing, what is the brand of clothing that, or where have I bought the most of my clothing from? And it's actually probably TJ Maxx. The one in Fresh Pond. Yes. Like, I love that TJ Maxx. I create, like, rules with myself if I go in some days. I'm like, Julia, you're not even allowed to look at the clothing. You can only look at the house good stuff because I just want to buy Tupperware. And, of course, I need a new, like, lime squeezer for, like, my lemon juice. Like, I just freaking love that place. I actually haven't been during COVID, and I think it just reopened. But I've been limiting, like, where I shop and stuff in general. So I haven't done much shopping. But... I probably, yeah. TJ Maxx just has tons of different brands. Mm. Um, so many fun things. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say TJ Maxx and the second is Target. Like the shirt that I'm wearing right now is Target. So um, I own a lot of stuff from Target as well. Yeah. What about you? It, it's 100% TJ Maxx. I'm trying to think of like, I don't even, like I'm trying to rack my brain. Okay. For my birthday last year, like Jake took me, I needed some like practical normal clothes and he, there we had some outlets in Asheville and we went to I think J Crew and Gap. I I don't I I really don't like I'm I'm very stingy with money with clothing specifically and um I'll only like shop in the sale. If you if you're not that I'm not judging you but like I just have this weird thing about like I will not pay over X amount for a shirt. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we went to the outlets and so I was able to go to J crew and gap and I fit in the, typically the gap jeans are, you know, it's so hard to find jeans, but gap jeans typically fit well. So yeah, those are the two non TJ Maxx places I can think of, but I'm trying to think of like specific, specific brands even within TJ Maxx, but I have worn normal clothes so infrequently in the past few months that none even come to mind. What percentage, this is not my fun question, but just an add on. Yeah. What percentage of your wardrobe is New Balance? Gosh, I'd have to say like 70. I don't even think that's an exaggeration just because, I mean, they're so generous with the amount of of gear and stuff that they give us that over the years, like that percentage has increased, you know, as I've obviously gotten more gear and like just needed to downsize my closet and gotten rid of a lot more regular clothing items. So, and they've given us a lot of like kind of leisure like nicer stuff, like non-running stuff as well in the past, like three years specifically. So yeah, just like sometimes rocking like a blazer or something on a date night. Like they give us a lot of that stuff too. So that's fun. Okay. My fun question, maybe it's serious. If you could interview anyone in the world, who would you interview? Dead or alive? Yes. Oh, that is so hard. Um, it's funny, Jake and I were, Jake asked me a similar question 
um, like a few weeks ago, and we both said like obviously we'd want to say Jesus, but that almost feels like a cheat answer. So, man, like somebody like like C.S. Lewis or even like Martin Luther King. I know you just asked for one. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. comes to mind, especially right now. Like Martin Luther King Jr. to be able to interview him. Wow, where do you start? Like I would feel like you know so honored beyond honored. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are the two that initially come to mind. Just their bravery in light of such. I mean, yeah, even C.S. Lewis like did a lot of his writing like during and following the war. So just a lot of them had such courage in the face of a lot of persecution. Wow. You made a fun question deep. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm going to have to think of a fun one too, but I'm curious for you. Yeah, I want to interview Beyonce. I just think she's the coolest woman ever. (laughs) That is probably the last thing I was expecting you to say. That's so funny. Yeah, I just want to know how she does it. You know, she's amazing and is an incredible performer and singer and dancer and actress and mother and partner and probably so many other things that I can't even, I don't know. And I feel like I don't follow her super closely. Like I'm not a part of the beehive, but <laughs> from what I can tell, she's a pretty private person in some ways. And even just watching like the Beyonce documentary on Netflix, like she is fairly private. And I just would love to get to talk to her about like, how she manages her energy, what are her rituals and routines, just like kind of understanding like someone who has had so, so, so much success in what they do and yet seems so humble and so grounded. Wow. I didn't honestly even know there was a Beyonce documentary on Netflix, but since our last episode when we talked about genres of movies, I've watched more documentaries on Netflix, so that will be in my lineup. Yeah. Wow. So if anyone has any connections to Beyonce, wants to bring her on Running a Gnome, would be honored. Give us a shout. (laughs) This was so much fun, Abby. It was, as always. Thank you, Jules. Thank you, and can't wait to watch you crush it. Yeah, can't wait to do it. This podcast was made possible with the support from my friends at Curix. Curix makes comfortable and functional insoles for a range of sports, I'm in love with their running and biking insoles and I've had some of the most consistent running in two years since wearing Curex and I've had significantly less problems with my plantar fasciitis. These insoles take a lot of the pressure off and support my feet when I'm running and riding. And ultimately, when my feet are happy, I'm happy. If you want to try a pair of Curex for yourself, visit their website www.curex.us, enter the code RU15 to get 15% off And if you're not happy with the insoles, even if you custom cut them to fit your shoes, Curix offers a 60-day warranty. How amazing is that? This episode was also sponsored by Gooder. Gooder makes the best performance shades for whatever outdoor activities you enjoy. Whether you run, hike, cycle, ski, or you just want to look good when taking your dog for a walk, Gooder has you covered. Gooder sunglasses are polarized and they don't slip or bounce around when you're exercising. Seriously? They're the best, everyone. And the team at Rue, we love Gooders. We own multiple pairs because they not only look amazing, but they actually remain comfortable when exercising. 
Goodard shades are ridiculously affordable, starting at $25. Yes, just $25. Head over to Gooder.com slash Rue, and you can grab a pair of your own or multiple pairs. No discount needed, as they're already the most affordable performance shades around. And lastly, this podcast was made possible with the support from my friends at X Endurance. X Endurance makes a range of delicious and high-quality products to support your daily training and health. I've been using a range of their products to help my immune system, help me recover, and I've recently started using their energy gels for when I'm on the bike or running and need a quick hit of premium energy. Prepare to have your nutrition and recovery revolutionized with X Endurance and to experience it yourself. You can receive up to 10% off when purchasing it at shop.teamxnd.com slash running on ohm, which is linked to in this episode's show notes. By supporting sponsors of the podcast, this allows me to keep sharing these conversations with incredible women like Abby. Thank you to those who will check out Curex, X Endurance, and Gutter. If this Soul Sister Sessions episode from today resonated, or if you have any follow-up questions or thoughts, reach out to Abby and I on Instagram or submit them at runningonome.com slash Sessions. And if you have a friend, family member, teammate who you think would resonate with today's conversation, please share it with them. Nothing beats word of mouth. You all know, yes, here we are at the end of the podcast, and I read every iTunes review that's written, and I do take your feedback to heart. Here in the outros, I feature a listener review. If it's your review, reach out after hearing it, and I'll send you a little something via snail mail. On July 2nd, Jackets Backer writes, This delightful, refreshing, and inspiring listen is more than a podcast. You will feel so much love and joy the minute Julia starts her weekly interview or roundtable. Excellent variety of guests and interviews. I listen during my runs because it always makes me go faster. She leaves me wanting more. Thanks, Julia. Wow, thank you, Jackets Backer, for your review. And taking Rue with you on your speedy runs, please reach out to me at runningonome at gmail.com with your address and I'll send you a little something. Leaving iTunes reviews, they're just a huge help in spreading the word about the podcast. I thank you from the bottom of my heart if you've already left a review, and if you haven't done so yet, it'll take you less than two minutes, and I will be your forever fan. Next week, I will be releasing a conversation with Dominique Miller. Dominique is a professional surfer and photographer based in Honolulu, Hawaii, It was a really interesting conversation on her journey from being a Division I runner to now being at the top of the World Surf League. I can't wait to share it with all of you. A huge thank you to my incredible podcast team that makes Rue a reality. That's Nick Errol for podcast management, Tim Briggs for design, John Summerford for audio production, Caitlin Murray Minor Ong for illustration and my album artwork. Thank you to this team. Thank you. Yes, you for listening. Lots of love and gratitude. Mm -hmm.